Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Meet Namely, the all-in-one HR payroll and benefits software employees love to use. Clock in, schedule vacation, and more from your desk or on the go. Plus, use the social feed to share company news and give shout-outs for a job well done. Over 1,000 companies use Namely every day. Get a free demo by visiting namely.com slash crime. That's namely.com slash crime. Build a better workplace with Namely. If solving mysteries is your cup of tea, take a stab at Dispatch, an interactive serial story that's delivered directly to your door. The story has been testing our detective skills with a new set of clues each month, clippings, mysterious objects, and hidden websites, all leading through a mind-bending ride. Each tale unfolds over several deliveries with helpful clues in every box to uncover the truth. And just for Crime Writers on listeners, you can save 50% on your first box by going to breakoutdispatch.com slash writers and using the code writers Writers at checkout. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about true crime, pop culture, journalism. And this week, we'll have a listen to Felonious Florida, a new podcast looking into some of South Florida's most interesting crimes. Also, we'll tune in to the new TV show with OJ prosecutor Marsha Clark reinvestigating some famous murders. Joining me to dive into that is my true crime co author, real life husband, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Sup, girl. <laughs> You made that weird. I mean, so quickly. It's gonna be weird. We're sleeping together. <laughs> also, with no, you're sleeping with me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we had enough sexy people last week. Okay, that's right. <laughs> All I know is that there's a dog sleeping between us most nights, and that may or may not be intentional on my part. Woof. That's right. awesome. <laughs> yeah. And also joining me is journalist, true crime author, licensed private investigator, former defense investigator, and certified, maybe like double certified cat lady, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello. I am triple certified cat lady. And yes, when I saw the photo of, uh, which dog was it that was sleeping between you guys? <laughs> Stuart. Stuart. Yeah. Stuart, who always, I, you know, I was like, I can't say anything because our new kittens, Felix and Rocky, well, they're not kittens anymore. They're almost like a year old. They like to actually sleep under the covers on the yeah. bed. Yeah. yeah. It's very yeah. odd. Like, I'm afraid they're going to get suffocated, but they get right down there and just, they want to be tucked in on those Brooklyn and sheets. Laura, quick question. Rocky? Yes. Like, I know that, like, your son named one of your cats, but Rocky, yes. can we just, like, pretend it's an homage to Rocky Flintstone, please? 
Okay. I mean, he is pretty cool. Like when he walks around the house, he's got this kind of like, and I always, he's got kind of a swagger, which is like very, he's like, yo, like as he walks around the house. So yes, he could be Rocky Flintstone. Wow. I mean, I don't know what that says about the fact that he like sleeps on Fireman Ken's head every night. Mm. I mean, I I don't know. Listen, Rocky Flintstone is just the uh, nom de plume Behind the horrible pornographic writing behind <laughs> my dad wrote a porno. Linda Blanks. Yeah, yeah. We just know though that he is. He's a listener, and he's very sweet. Yeah, and by the way, Stuart yes. just knocked over a chair upstairs. In case you heard a banging noise, yeah. someone knocked That's over. That's the chair. advantage of being down in Studio C. Exactly. You hear all the crazy mm-hmm. stuff that happens in the kitchen when exactly. you're down here. Yeah. Exactly. And finally, the acclaimed novelist behind the City Trilogy, Facebook Live champion, and our very own. Patreon book club Commodore Toby Ball. Good evening, Toby. Good evening, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> like Dracula. Good it's, evening. Good evening. So, Toby, speaking of our Patreon only book club, of course, people subscribe to at the what five dollar level at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. They are now eligible to receive episodes of the Crime Writers on Book Club, which is called something like um, Toby's Toby Time Book Club, or as our listener on Facebook suggested tonight, we should call it uh, Toby Continued. Toby Continued. Oh, Oh, I like it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I still just like Toby's Toby Time Book Club. Um, I I think Balls Deep was... I think Toby's Toby Time Book Club has such a good ring to it. It does. I like to say it. it does. And also, my, we know Toby hates it. So. Toby Time. Yes. Toby no, My son loved Very it. I, I was like, oh, Toby's got a book club. And he said, what? I said, it's Toby's Toby Time. He's like, oh, I like that. So, <laughs> Stop. You know. yeah. Stop. It's like, it's like <laughs> Pee Wee <Toby> Herman. <laughs> 11-year-olds everywhere have it's, waited. <laughs> I'm going to get one of those little... Uh, one of those little bike horns <laughs> I'll sound off every once in a while for like somebody's comment. So Toby, Whoa. you have a big announcement about what is coming up on the next edition. Of course, the previous edition, we talked about the best-selling book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. It was me, Robbie Achaudry, Patrick Hines, and you. What is happening on the next edition of the Patreon subscriber only, Toby's book? To whatever. Cl- whatever. Yeah. What's happening on the next one of those, Toby? Well, in keeping with our extremely short tradition of only considering <laughs> the finest in true crime, we are going to be uh, reading Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grann, which was a finalist for the National Book Award. Mm. And joining me to discuss it will be uh, Rebecca Lavoie Ooh, from Crime Writers On. What a great get. Uh, She's good. Uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting oh. uh, from The Blotter Presents Actual and a get. whole bunch of other things that's on previously.tv. And Connie Walker from Missing and Murdered. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's going to be a cool discussion. A lot of smart people. And uh, we'll be recording sort of at the end of this month. And it'll probably drop sometime in the first week of May. Toby, I'm curious because Connie is Canadian. Is she going to get thrown off by the word color and favorite, how they're spelled? <laughs> <laughs> that may be a problem. Yeah. Plus, like her comments only count for like eighty-five percent of ours. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll figure out. We'll figure something out there. The exchange rate. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's an excellent book, eh? Eh. <laughs> oh, God. I'm Rebecca enjoying. Will make her feel right at home. No. I'm enjoying it so far, and I actually, 
honestly am super excited to talk to Connie about it because even though my Kindle tells me I'm only like 6% in, I've already learned about 100 things reading this book. (laughs) It's super interesting. So obviously we're all very excited to hear next month's Patreon-only podcast, Mm -hmm. book club podcast. Uh, Kevin, have you actually listened to our first book club podcast No, I'm not a subscriber to Patreon. It's... (laughs) It's it, it's actually a very exclusive thing. It is, and only people who subscribe to Patreon. Only people who are willing to pony up. Exactly five dollars. But here's the deal, Rebecca. You're the Patreon subscriber. I'm the Stitcher Premium subscriber. That's true. So you get married with podcasts. I married podcast. I yeah. get ad free episodes of these are their stories. These are stories a week early. Yes, yes. Which is really cramping my workflow. <laughs> I got to do this early. <laughs> So, Kevin, do you think you'll ever join us for this book club thing? Absolutely. Yeah? But Toby's got to invite me. Yeah. And actually, he has reached out, and uh, I, I don't think, are we, we're not revealing right now, right, Toby, or are we? It's a ways in the future. Oh, come on, reveal yeah, I think it. it'll be like October or something. Reveal you it. You can say what it is. We're going to talk about uh, David Simon's Homicide, A Year on the Killing Streets, which is probably my favorite true crime book. We know. And are we going to have any <laughs> other special guests, Toby? <laughs> I hope so. We have one, but I don't want to say oh, okay. this person's name because I told him I would pencil it in uh, right. instead of pen it in. Is that me? <laughs> it's Michael Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> it all depends on how a few things go in his life. Is so it if- David Simon himself? No. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's Laura. <laughs> We're going to get Laura on, Laura on this damn book club podcast. All right. I'm on hey, it. I, I'm I, coming. I've reached out. Well, I do want to mention one thing that happened uh, this week also. I was lucky enough to host the um, Undisclosed Addendum mm-hmm. this past week. And, of course, the addendum is, if you have never listened to Undisclosed, they have, like, their the story arcs they do. Right now they're doing individual cases in, like, a short series, like four- or six-week episode series. And they have a second show that comes out each week called Addendum, which basically is, like, a more casual panel show where it discusses... It's kind of like the after show, I would It's kind of like the after it. show. Yeah. discusses legal issues brought up during mm-hmm. the case and sometimes they get celebrity guests and they've had Connie Walker on they've had like basically pretty much every true crime podcaster you can think of has been on the addendum the host is John Cryer the host is typically John Cryer so I got to sit in for him this week and uh, one of the guests on the panel was somebody I was super excited to meet I don't know if any of you guys will know who this is so Kevin what do you think of uh, when you hear the name Allison Sweeney I think of NBC's The Biggest Loser. Right. She was the host. She was the host. And of the I know that she was a soap opera actress, right, Laura? Sammy. I think of Sammy. That's ah. right. Sammy. Days of our lives. Days of our lives. Yes. yes. Oh, my goodness. So I got to be on a podcast with her this uh-huh. week. Uh huh. And I don't know if you guys know this, but she is a huge true crime fan. Oh. Huge. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she's been following the Adnan Syed case and Undisclosed from the beginning. She has followed every true crime podcast that's come out since then, pretty much. Except ours. All the time. No, <laughs> she kind of seems to know what our podcast oh, was right. about when I talked to her. And she, Laura Bricker, you might be interested to know, uh, mm-hmm. is the headliner in a bunch of like cozy mystery Hallmark movies, like the uh, chocolate chip cookie mysteries. Oh my! Oh, the chocolate chip cookie mystery. That's Miss Allison Sweeney. Put that on my list. And she has a new series coming out. No, it's called the Chocolate Chip Cookie Mysteries. Yes, it is. (laughs) I didn't get it wrong. And then she has a new (laughs) series that she's working on, Kevin, um, in which wait for it, a true crime writer Mm -hmm. turned podcaster ends up investigating the cold case murder of her best friend. It's basically the Rebecca Lavoie story. 
Except without the murder of the best friend. I know. I know. Hey, side note. I mean, I know we have like some Hollywood people who listen. Why doesn't anybody want to do that? Do the do the Kevin and Rebecca <laughs> scripted series? We, we would suck in like reality TV. Yeah, no one wants think, to see us. No, I mean it's like it's like Castle meets Heart to Heart <laughs> and WKRP in Cincinnati. Anyway, just in Toby case Toby could be like the annoying neighbor who's the breakout character. Oh, he could be the Kramer <laughs> of Kramer, our show. Exactly. Yes. Or the uh, Monroe from he could be our uh, Urkel. To Close to Comfort. Yes. Potsy. <laughs> Patsy. Yeah. I have sort of fashioned my life after Anson Williams. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You uh, was Anson Williams. Good for you, Toby. Good for we you. We would have a killer fucking trivia team. We would. Yeah. Oh God, our trivia team. That's what we have to do. I just wanted to tell you guys, I don't know if Alice and Sweeney is gonna listen to this episode, but it was really fun. This past week's Unexplosive Denim, I would I would recommend checking it out. And also anybody who is a soap opera fan, um Allie Sweeney. Uh, Sammy from Days of Our Lives for many, many years. One of us. She is one yeah. of us. She's in just, the club. I just wanted to mention that. And one other thing I wanted to mention, very illustrious word nominations came out this week. The Peabody Awards. Very the exciting. The Peabody? No, the Peabody Awards. Like the big ones. The ones that you get if you're actually classy and mm-hmm. made something good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were like 60 or so nominees for the various awards, but I wanted to highlight a couple. Three standouts for me, things we've talked about on this show. Ear Hustle. Oh, yeah. The Pope's Ooh. Long Con. Good pick. And my favorite Peabody nominee recognition, American Vandal from Netflix. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Is wow. there like a certain category, or does it I think it's in the out? entertainment category? I think it's in the entertainment category. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, anyone yeah. thoughts about any of these Peabody nominees? Toby, what do you think? I think it's awesome that Ear Hustle and Pope's Long Con mm-hmm. got them. I really enjoyed both of them. Yeah, I think especially Ear Hustle is just so unusual that for them to be recognized is uh, pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and it makes me. Kevin and I were talking about this last night. It's also very sad. Because Nigel Poor's co-host like would not be able to attend the Peabody ceremony, like yeah. period, right? It's yeah. heartbreaking. Can't even Skype in. No. Something interesting about that. I, I I hate to kind of like go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I uh, I was talking to a woman who uh, was doing a program in uh, one of the New Hampshire prisons. She was talking to the warden. It's for this class, and the warden recommended that the kids uh, listen to Ear Hustle. Mm. Ear Hustle really is outstanding, and it's also just like whether or not you listen to it week to week, it's one of those podcasts you just have to be happy exists. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about American Vandal getting- Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think that the um, sort of the guidelines for what they look at, I think are pretty loosey-goosey. Mm-hmm. I think it's just sort just of like- excellence. What's a, yeah. Um, excellence in writing, excellence in what it's trying to do. And, and I thought that it was great. I thought it was a great uh, a farcical- Look at you know this industry that we have all helped develop uh, different <laughs> in different ways, and uh, you know I just uh, I, I just thought it was just spot on and really of the moment. So. You know, the more I think about American Vandal, like the more I talk to people about it, the more mm-hmm. I think about it, the more I you know I've sort of sort of seen snippets of it like after we've watched it. There's more of a social commentary there than I think we gave it credit for at the time. I think we talked about it at the time as just like straight satire. Mm-hmm. But if you think about what the show did, they sort of talk about a marked high school kid and how some, when someone's marked, they stay marked. And that yep. is a theme in a lot of crime stories. And it's a theme in a lot of stories about justice. Right, Laura? 
Oh, yeah. And it's like once you've got the reputation, once you've been pegged as a certain way, it doesn't matter what you do. That's going to be the first assumption. Right. Um, so, yeah. You know, I just want to know it, when they get to the award ceremony and American Vandal wins <laughs> on the big screen behind them when they go up. I like are to we think it will. Yeah. A big picture of a you know what. A dick. That's, that's Come on. Yeah. You can say it, question. Laura. It's a dick. Okay. A dick. <laughs> With or without the ball hairs. (laughs) (laughs) He's a well-known dick drawer, Laura. (laughs) I know. I just, you know, because they always play that little montage when people go up to get awards. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) The cello music will be playing. Yes. That was great. It was so great. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about our first content topic of the evening. We all decided to check out the new A&E series, Marsha Clark Investigates. The first 48. In every one of these cases, I found something that I hadn't anticipated. I have sonar images that never got into the right hands. There was a chunk of deleted Firefox history. Oh my. She said Drew killed Kathleen. Oh my God. I'm not the prosecutor on these cases, but you deserve to know the truth regardless. This new show is a mashup of the first 48's format of highlighting the importance of the first 48 hours of investigation, along with the OJ prosecutor taking a second look at famous cases. Now, Kevin, you are a longtime viewer of the first 48. Right. For our listeners who may not typically watch that show and for our panel, can you just like describe the show and tell us why you love it? Yeah, sure. It's uh, kind of like a, a takeoff on cops, mm-hmm. where they follow some homicide detectives, and the premise is that we, we know the importance of getting a solid lead in the first forty-eight hours after the crime. Otherwise, the the odds of them solving the case uh, drop dramatically. So it follows on the scene uh, some cops, and there's sort of a you know countdown clock as far as how far they can get into the the first forty-eight. And it, it, it follows them along. So that's that's sort of the, the device is, you know, what can we find out? What what can they accomplish in those first two days, those first 48 hours? I will say I do. You got me into the show. And it's one of those shows that's sort of like HGTV or mm-hmm. Lone, or it's just on in the background. One of the things I like about it is that it takes place all over the country. Like they go yep. into a department in like Louisiana or a department in like Florida or upstate New York. And you kind of get to see how cops actually work cases. Mm-hmm. And that's very interesting. Uh, but, Laura, you are a former defense investigator. Yeah, The first 48 in the first 48 is presented as urgent. It's presented as uh, the only time that matters. Is that true? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> you know, just going to say, because uh, I can't think when I was ever there. I mean, there was like one or two cases where it was a really high profile case. And, and I was sent out to start like canvassing neighborhoods like right away. But for the most part, I'm like uh, the first uh, six to nine months after the fact <laughs> <laughs> or a year. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that obviously there's certain things that, you know, you need to get there right away, like for evidence preservation, eyewitness statements, obviously, you know, are, are best when you get them right away. And, you know, some things, but there's other things where when you go back and you go over the case and maybe re-examine things, you'll see people that you didn't talk to before that you maybe should talk to or other things that come to the surface. So, you know, I think obviously that is for the actual crime scene investigators. That's the most critical time. But I'm not going to say that's the only time you're going to find something that's um, relevant to a case. Right. 
And of course, Marsha Clark is looking at these things 48 years later. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that it's, it's more of a branding thing, <laughs> right? right? That right, we're looking right. at that. I mean, that's right. more of a conceit of the show that mm-hmm. she's reexamining the first 48, but she's also doing other things other than that. Ostensibly, She's just <laughs> kind of driving around. Yeah, let, let's talk. About, let's talk about Marsha Clark, the character. Now, Toby, <laughs> we watched. I think the People versus O.J. Simpson, the fictionalized version on American Crime Story of the O.J. Simpson case, which was the first time we talked about O.J. Simpson again on this show. Was the first time that I think in the last couple of years, Marsha Clark has been brought back into the national spotlight as. A character, aside from being like a commentator on HLN or, you know. And she's a published author, too. Right. Yeah, she's, she's got books. Right. But aside from that true crime, like, specific genre, that show, I think, brought her back into the spotlight. What I'm curious is, like, what you think of this idea that this would be her vehicle to sort of reemerge to a mass audience, to a big audience. And would that have happened had it not been for People versus O.J. Simpson? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, if they're willing to let Payne Lindsay do the same thing, <laughs> it seems like why not? <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. I mean, if I mean, this seems like it's a thing where it's like we'll go and reinvestigate a crime. Why? Why not her? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's certainly got the name recognition. I don't know how many people who are prosecutors would have the same name recognition that she does. Right. Uh, at least for people. You know, our age or older. Right. Now, the first episode of this new series was about the Casey Anthony case. Mm -hmm. It's a case that uh, has been examined a lot, including in some media that we've talked about on this show. Kevin, is Marsha late to the party on this case? What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of this already in a couple of different uh, exposés. And, you know, she's really sort of hyping, oh, I found information that... Uh, you know, nobody had seen before and it really blew my mind. And I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I was kind of underwhelmed really? by that. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I, you know, I don't know if I'd agree that it would have changed everything. And I, and I thought that the other, uh, the other Casey Anthony documentary that we watched and I forget. On Investigation Discovery. Was that on Investigation Discovery? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, you know, that what they got out of the father about. Zanny the nanny, yeah, um, you know, was I think really an interesting point, and I think that's probably a lot of actually what happened. But the question is, she late to the game? Yeah, I mean, I think on these some of these cases, we know an awful lot about them. I don't know if she's bringing anything new to them, um, but that's sort of the idea. Everybody thinks that you know, true crime is hot, and they'll get you know whatever vehicle out there they can. So I see why Marsha Clark is a desired host for something like this. All right, I'm going to tip my hand. Sorry, guys. I hated that Casey and Anthony thing on. I mean, I, I, did, I appreciated that they had all the access. There were things about mm. it that I thought were interesting. I may have even given a thumbs up. I don't remember. I have a different feeling when I watch this Marsha Clark thing. And I'm not like um, the kind of person who is intrigued by like an A-list true crime talent. As you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not a fan of like the Nancy Grace. I'm not a fan of like the Greta Von Sester. Like the celebrity lawyer is like not my thing. Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoyed watching this show. We only watched the Casey Anthony episode. I It was fun. I don't know why I felt that way, but it was fun. Laura, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, I'm so relieved. Know, no, I do because I was like, I went into it. I'm like, oh, freaking top mom again. Like, I can't take any more top mom. 
And and yeah, you know, like you said, the cases are cases, a lot of them that, that we know about. But I have to say what I appreciated about this is that, you know, obviously she's got some street cred. She's been a prosecutor. She's been a defense attorney. And I really enjoyed like watching her go. I mean, the access she had to people, watching her go out and talk to people. But talk to people not like somebody that's like a paid talking head that's on, you know, network news, you know, somebody that actually knows if somebody's bullshitting them about a legal question that she's asking because she's done that job. My favorite scene was when she had like the Colonel Sanders defense attorney. I don't know. (laughs) Casey (laughs) Anthony's lawyer. Yeah. And he just kept being like, that's not true. That's not true about like the smell in the in the trunk. And and she just wouldn't let him off the hook. And I, I like that. I mean, she's kind of badass. And, you know, she's got like this whole new look thing going on. She's oh, got like she loves the choker necklaces. Yeah, it's a little, the little necklaces, yeah. uh, you know, driving around in her black. Is it like an Escalade or something? I mean, you know, she's kind of badass. So I, I enjoyed it, but I, I wish it was a different case. I, I'm yeah. done with Top Mom. I don't need to see it again. Yeah, she she did have the actual the forensic investigator looked at the car as, as like in the show, and she also had as one of her like sidekicks on the show another one of the like crime scene investigators, which was really interesting. I don't know why I liked it. it guilty pleasure? I don't know. What do you think, Toby? Well, I had a few thoughts. It's like one. It's like why is she doing like all the same cases that are on all the time? Yeah. It's like one after another. It's like, Jesus, this is like the fifth time for all of these things. Mm. If the OJ thing is really haunting you, why don't you go and like try and do something that will actually make a little bit of a difference mm. somewhere? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've, I think it's been shown that people will be interested if you find cases that have been outside of the spotlight, but have, you know, especially if there's like somebody who they suspect is is innocent is in jail, and God knows it's got to be easy to find those if you have the budget that I'm sure she has for this show. That was a big. Th- it's like when they showed like the different people they're going to be looking at. It's like my God again, like yeah. Chandra Levy. Although I'll say, I actually think that I, would be I an interesting like one to case. look at. Yeah, <laughs> I read the book. Case. I've got many questions about that one. <laughs> many questions. Well, I guess you'll enjoy watching it <laughs> uh, while I watch the NBA playoffs. Uh, but then she, I mean, there was also just like, like at one point, like I was taking a little bit of notes, which I don't usually do, but. Ooh. Then when they started saying things, so at one point she says, "I want justice, but I also want to know the truth." <laughs> I'm like, "What? Why are those two things mutually exclusive?" <laughs> no, I don't disagree. the The prosecutor point of view. I want is, truth and justice. No, no. So honestly, in this day and age, with all of the wrongful conviction narratives that are out there, and all of the you know done wrong by the man narratives. The prosecutor point of view is actually problematic. I don't disagree with you at all, Toby, on that. So I kind of get what you're laying down there. Like, I guess my feeling was, is this really necessary? And, you know, if you're going to take, like, supposedly, you know, star talent like Marsha Clark, why don't you do something more interesting than doing yet another show on these same people and with the idea that she is somehow going to like go over something many years later that actual cops were doing at the time. I mean, the bar for doing this, like the idea that you would, you would do it like 30 times and get one time when you were able to find something they did wrong and solve a case would seem to me like 
pretty improbable, but maybe mm. the idea that you're going to have like six shows and in each one of them, you're going to like turn up something that's like worth watching a show for is like, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Of course, it's not going to happen. <laughs> now, Kevin, there's also- Or what's so funny? Toby. I just love Toby when he goes off on a rant like that. <laughs> so, Kevin, there's also a companion podcast for this TV show. There is. You actually listened to it? I did, yeah. Thoughts? I actually like the podcast better than the TV show. I really? Think, yeah, no, I think- What's the a, podcast called? Uh, it's called Marshall Clark Investigates the First 48. That's a terrible name for a podcast. Podcast. I think I was saying that. <laughs> it's like 35 minutes long. It can't just be and, called like Marsha Clark Investigates. No, I mean, it's obviously trying to promote the show. And right. there's a lot of talk about it. Well, on the show, you'll see this. And I'll just say, you know, comparing the, the Casey Anthony episode on TV versus the podcast one. The podcast one, I think, actually sort of did a nicer, tighter, richer job of, of telling the story again of the case. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, it's, I mean, it's got sort of, you know, the, the moody, scary music in piano the background. Music, tinkly piano. No, not tank, you know, like the, 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 the you know, the sonic, oh, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But she has on, you know, she's I'm going to talk about stuff that we didn't get to talk to about in the, in the TV show and had a couple of anecdotes about different people, but she brought on a, um, psychic? a psychologist. No, not a psychic. <laughs> Sorry, it was a joke. Yeah. Um, a juror expert. A juror consultant and also a mental health uh, psychologist, kind of person to talk about like sociopaths and narcissists, and had that discussion. And I found that to be a lot more interesting than just sort of rehashing the case and then talking about like on the TV show. Well, now I want to know how that car got there, so I'm going to go drive to a car lot. Right, you know, right. there was a lot of this like her explaining what she's about to do, right, right, um, as opposed to just you know going and there's a lot of telling and. And, uh, you know, not so much showing. Right, right. And we've complained about that exact thing on podcasts. Mm -hmm. Toby's right, right. So I guess I'll just ask, is anyone on this panel willing to say say it's just on? Like, I'm not going to say, like, are you going to seek it out, DVR it, make an appointment for it? But if it's on, would you check out another episode of The First 48 with Marsha Clark? This isn't like a a review formally. Mm -hmm. This is just like a... Did it turn you, you off? It or, yeah. Are you willing to watch it again? I'll go first, which I never do. I have every reason to hate this. You know <laughs> I hate cheesy TV true crime stuff. I even hate some of the cheesy TV true crime stuff that we are in, Kevin yeah. and I. I really like enjoyed watching this. It was fun. As much as you can say something about like a horrible murder of a person is fun. There's something about the way it's done. The, the, it has like that sort of Dateline, Law & Order SVU kind of cheese factor, except with a really compelling central figure, Marsha Clark, who you could sort of say in real life, like people who love Mariska Hargitay, but that's she doesn't. she's not actually Olivia Benson. She's actually an actress who lives in California. Like Marsha Clark is a real life person who's put herself in these things and is actually doing it. I don't know. I thought it was fun. I liked it. This is not a review, but yes, I'll probably, if it's on, <laughs> watch another episode of it. Uh, Toby, what about you? No. Okay. <laughs> Next. Laura, what about you? If it's a case that I'm not like totally inundated with and haven't been totally burned out on, yes. Like if it's something like the Shonda Levy case, I'm kind of interested in. And there was a, one other case on there that looked intriguing. Yeah. What about Spreckle Mansion, something like that? Yeah, which Jam Master Yeah, I just read about that. I was, was like, strange. what's that? Yeah, so. <laughs> See? 
Toby's in back in again. Back in. What about you, Kevin? Well, it looks like you're going to be watching that by yourself. Yeah, it was okay. I'm just like not really thrilled about it because again, we kind of going over the same ground. Do you feel like they hijacked your first 48 show by like co-branding well, I was, with you know, it? I was going to say that it, it was a it's a weird mashup. We're trying to shoehorn in this idea of let's look at the timeline of the conceit. first 48. No, I agree. In order it's to, unnecessary. Yeah, it's just sort of like putting her onto the brand, and it's it, it it's kind of it's kind of odd. I mean, it didn't quite exactly put me to sleep, but you know if, but. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good transition. Yeah, Go ahead, Kevin. It didn't quite put me to sleep. Yeah. But I kept thinking that I could be getting a better sleep if, if I was sleeping on if Brooklyn only. and Sheets. Oh, yes. See, it's really the time of the year now. Spring's coming. All those flannel sheets are coming off. Yes. It's time to put on a new, clean, fresh set of sheets. To be fair, though, in New Hampshire, they're not quite coming off yet. That's right. <laughs> well, they've come off this weekend, and we put on our Brooklyn and Sheets, the best, most comfortable sheets ever. Their philosophy is the most beautiful, comfortable home essentials with no crazy prices and no unnecessary markups and fees. You know, like the, like the really like neat... Uh, luxury bedding that you could buy in a department store. They're marked up like about 300%. I bet. Over what it actually costs to make them. But not with 5,000%. Five. But not Brooklinen. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a great deal at any price. You can uh, mix and match all their different versatile colors and patterns to complement just about any decor. Uh, it's luxury bedding underpriced. Mm. You have to try these sheets just like Toby Ball did. Toby, tell us about your... Your Brooklyn and Knights. My Brooklyn and Knights. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I prefer to keep those between myself and my family. <laughs> but uh, Light they a are they are super super comfortable. You know, I don't I'm not sure how much more I can expand more than I have in past shows. But I mean, until you've like slept on really nice sheets, you don't realize how crappy the sheets that you're sleeping on actually are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, that was sort of the eye opener for me. Those Brooklyn and Nights. <laughs> oh, God. Well, we love our Brooklyn and Sheets. We uh, do. Yeah, they come in, like I said. So do the dogs. A good set of patterns. In fact, we sort of mix the patterns where we have, uh, they're like the reverse. They're a gray with a white stripe, and we have a, we have a, a white with a gray stripe. And Pinstripes, polka dots. Yeah, you know, that we did solids. the- Yeah, we did the, the pillowcases are the white with the gray, and then the, the, the sheets are the, the gray with the white, and it just looks really great. Our Brooklyn and Sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets that we've ever slept on. True. And Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code CRIME, crime. at Brooklinen.com. Brooklyn is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code CRIME, crime. at Brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code CRIME. crime. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. One of our most tweeted about sponsors from our mm-hmm. listeners is Brooklinen. What else you got, Kevin? Well, you need a new favorite pair for your closet? Let me tell you about... True religion. Oh my God! Look at you right now. I'm standing up right now. You need to model those true religion jeans, Kevin. I got my Kevin. true linen jeans Walk on. Walk back and forth in this Look, closet like it's a runway. Except there's you can't not a lot actually of room walk. Just closet. spin around. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you about. We were at the outlets this weekend, and we went past the uh, the true religion store. store yep. And it was hopping, and everybody looked goddamn good. Yeah. And I was like, well, hey, you don't have to drive to a true mall, religion yeah. store to get the great jeans that you want you can get them online 
at uh, TrueReligion.com. They have this great precision fit that makes the most comfortable and flattering jeans in the world. Rebecca, I found out that my butt looks good in these jeans. They do. because And my legs look awesome. They also do. But I'll have to say, the thing about the True Religion jeans, that like the signature thing is mm-hmm. the pocket. Yeah. A little flap pocket with a little curved thing in the button. And it's adorable on you, Kevin. Thank adorable. You. Thank you. True Religion jeans are even made with softer fabric that keeps its shape and it won't fade. These are really, they're, they're You got your durable. True Religion jeans and you literally took your other jeans to the trash. I actually threw and a threw pair them of jeans. Yes. You threw them away. They actually, I literally did that. These jeans are superior jeans. Yeah, and they're fashion forward. And I think, I'm going to say, a lot of us of a certain age, we think that, oh no, we shouldn't like try to buy designer jeans or no. certain kinds of clothes. We should wear mom's jeans only. We should, yeah. I say, do not worry about Don't that. Don't do Go that. Go for it. You'll look good and you'll feel good because they fit just right. Are you ready for the perfect fitting, most comfortable, most flattering pair of jeans? I'm ready to be married to someone yes. who's wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, right now, go to True Religion because they are giving our listeners 20% off. Their entire purchase when they go to truereligion.com slash crime, crime and enter code crime, crime at checkout. So do what we did. Go to truereligion.com slash crime and enter code crime at checkout for 20% off your entire order. URL and promo code crime. Crime. All right. Felonious Florida is the new podcast from Wondery and the South Florida Sun Sentinel. It's Sunday morning, June 26, 1994 just after dawn. In a quiet suburb in South Florida, a 40-something well-dressed man with shaggy hair stands over a table in a tile-floored dining room. He's laughing and flirting with two young women. They're sharing a bottle of wine. Then an intruder bursts through an unlocked sliding glass door. He has a machine gun. Without hesitating, he lifts it over his head and slams the butt end of it into the man's face, knocking him to the ground. An accomplice comes through the same door, carrying something that looks like a long stick. They turn their attention to the women, and the scene turns brutally violent. What they don't know is that every step they take, every blow, every bullet fired, is being caught on tape. The series focuses on two crimes from the Sunshine State. Current episodes deal with a triple homicide known as the Casey's Nickelodeon Murders. Later episodes promise to explore the murder of a mother and daughter in their car by a possible serial killer. The series is hosted by two Sun Sentinel reporters and is filled with commentary from other reporters, archival recordings, and new interviews with witnesses. The podcast series continues, but we'll be talking about some plot points that have happened so far, so there may be some mild spoilers in our discussion. As always, if you want to skip ahead just to hear our review and whether or not you should listen to Felonious Florida, we will put the time code in our show notes. Look at that right now, and you can skip ahead to where we will give our thumbs up or thumbs down on this podcast. Let's talk first about the story and the central victim in the story I promise we'll get to some other elements of it that I know some of you were dying to talk about. Uh, Butch Casey, a well-known club owner, target of this crime, intriguing place for the crime to happen, and of course a lot of interesting circumstances of the crime and an interesting time, the mid-90s. Laura Bricker, what do you think of just like the story at the premise of the episodes that we've heard so far of Felonious Florida? 
I think it's a great story. It's just, it's an interesting window into a time when it sounds like the nightclub scene in Miami was really growing. There was a lot of interesting characters there. People are still recording things on their phone on cassette tapes. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I, I like the sort of vibe and feel of the time period that this is happening in. It's it's an interesting scene. There's interesting people and just interesting the way that people were communicating with each other in terms of what was going on in their lives. So, Kevin, imagine you're running a newspaper in Florida. Mm-hmm. Florida man. Uh, Florida crimes. Yeah. A lot of material there. Yeah, it's kind of a punchline, right? Yeah, but it's not just a punchline. It's also a thing. There's a lot of material from Florida that could be mined for interesting podcasts, right? Well, I think if you're running a newspaper, sure. I mean, you've got pages and pages of stories to choose from, and you've got you know people on staff, presumably, who have already covered them and you know have some inside information and some inside contacts. So, yeah, you could pick the cream of the crop and do a podcast if you want to. Right. Well, I will say this podcast has a tremendous amount of promise in that it has a great title, Felonious Florida. It's either like a wonderful like drag queen name or like a tremendous podcast title. <laughs> uh, we know there's a lot of material in the crime archives of every Florida newspaper. And we also know that other newspapers have done great podcasts. Let's talk about the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, which has done Breakdown, which mm-hmm. I think we all agreed in our many discussions of the different seasons of Breakdown isn't a perfect podcast as audio products go, but that the reporter himself brings something to it that only a newspaper reporter can do. You think Hi, of, and, I'm Bill Rankin. <laughs> but he's also Bill a longtime courts reporter who brings insight and context. And then you have Amber Hunt at the Cincinnati Inquirer. Who did, did you hear that? Amber Hunt is also a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> who brought her like unique print style to it, investigative style to it. You have podcasts like The Hanging. Which yeah. brings right. like the uh, San Jose Mercury News, the reporter who covered a story. And you could bring more to it with audio. And now they here, Browerville, yes, Browerville, Phoebe's Fall, Phoebe's Fall. You know, so and around I, the world too. I do think the most recent blockbuster podcast to come from a newspaper is Dirty John. Right, right. An L.A. Times story that was turned into audio form by adding a bunch of original audio, new interviews with. Deborah and her kids going back and with in-person interviews like sort of bringing more context this podcast is a little bit different we have a a newspaper bringing something to life as a podcast that sounds to me at least a whole lot like a newspaper article I'm not sure that's different it's just it's what I hear Toby what do you hear when you listen to this show do you hear the same thing yeah you know I now that you bring that up I mean maybe I'll be honest in that I just kind of even listening to it, there just didn't seem to be much that stood out about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I just feel like it just sort of there's nothing super distinctive about it. I, I kind of felt like I'd heard like obviously not the facts of this particular case, but this kind of podcast again and again and again. What what's strange in, in having it be either audio or newspaper is that what makes the story kind of compelling is the fact that they have this video of the crime happening and, you know, they get the guy's face and it just seems like it's such a, 
I mean, you've got a video of it. Right. So it, it seems like the, the evidence is there. So, you know, they can describe it and stuff and you can look it up on YouTube and that you, you can get a like edited version of it or whatever. But it, having that be such a central feature of what makes it interesting is strange for a purely audio show. Yeah. I mean, th- they do talk about the video over and over again. Toby, I agree with you. But I don't think they've really driven that home yet, that there is a video on which you can see the perpetrators, and yet they haven't been convicted. Like, we know that. Like, mm-hmm. she says that. Yeah. But they don't really, like, there's no central question, like, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Like, that, there's a difference there between, I think, a show like Breakdown, which asks a question at the beginning, like, what's going to happen? Or what is this a miscarriage of justice? I kind of feel like that central question wasn't wasn't asked. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point, and I mean, I think maybe that's that's part of the issue. It just seems like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this is what this guy thought about it. Oh, and he knew OJ, and he was really super bummed that OJ killed Nicole Simpson, and it, it was just sort of like, I don't know. It, I I kind of felt like if I stopped paying attention, that I would miss like an event, but what that event meant in the grand scheme of things wouldn't be very clear to me. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. A- absolutely. What it is, Toby, it's it's not like asking a question or investigating a part of the case. It, it's like somebody that was reading a book report that they wrote about the case right. in high school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's a good way of putting like, it. Like without a lot of enthusiasm. So it was hard to know what to focus on. Well, let's talk about the style of, of the narration. Elisa Arthur is the host of the episodes we've heard so far in Filoni's Florida. Kevin, one of the things that we know is important in an audio story, any audio story, and really any story, but especially in audio, is to have a host that you feel like is taking your hand and bringing mm-hmm. you into the story. So either they have a connection to the story, or if they don't, they tell you why they're telling you the story, or at least they tell you what they do for work. Oh. This is missing all of those things. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I mean, oh, you had to make me be the one to to do this. <laughs> That's right. I'll pile on and right, make it worse. Right. I promise. All right. Well, okay. So, I mean, I think that part of what's holding us back is the host. Mm-hmm. And we certainly clap back at people that, like, put down female announcers for their voice and things like that. So, I am very cognizant of this. And I'm there's nothing wrong with her voice. Her delivery, which is a separate thing, I think is just, like bringing the whole thing down. You remember in Whiplash when he starts slapping his face and he says, are you rushing or dragging? Right. She's dragging. You know, it's going so slow that it's not propelling the story so I'm interested in what comes next. I just feel like I'm being held back narratively. Mm. And this is going to sound horrible. I started listening at one and a half speed and it sounded fine. Yeah. It's yeah. like okay, I, I can start following what's what's happening here. But and, and this is this is someone who's a uh, uh, newspaper reporter. So okay, do we know that? How do you know that? Uh, How do you know that Lisa Arthur is a newspaper I, reporter? I looked it up. I had to look on it up, li- yeah. Like I looked it up. Exactly. Your point is taken that that, is, that isn't set up in the. She doesn't the say I am a reporter for this newspaper who's been covering yeah. this story, and I'm telling. She or given never, any indication why it, it should be her to tell the story. She and, uh, yeah. gives no sense why she's in. She doesn't even acknowledge that she's interested ever in the story. Right? 
Yeah, we don't know why yeah. she's. And, no. I, and I, I know that there are, and I, you know, it's funny because you talk about sort of like voices for audio, mm-hmm. and you know, we talk about the sexism issue a lot. And I actually think Lisa Arthur, Kevin, her voice is very similar to your voice. She has a like the same kind of like list. Oh, it's probably better than mine that you have. She has, but she has the same sort of like vocal inflection that you uh-huh. have. To me, it's not the voice. It's the writing for the voice. A, it's what she's saying. She's never acknowledging any connection to the story. But I just want to play a little clip for you of something that um, she says in the podcast that is a great example of bad writing for this voice. Butch is working the crowd when Marie and Sharon arrive, and he spots them as they move through the bar. It was hard not to. They are the kind of beautiful that draws stares when they walk into a room. So can we just agree that that is not the kind of writing that was designed to say out loud, period. And it's not designed to say in a voice that's just your natural voice. Now, I wish somebody had said that before. For our listeners' benefit, Kevin, who is the most unusual radio voice person who's like a great reporter that you're a fan of? That you could compare oh, to Lisa Arthur. Have you ever heard Zoe? You've heard Zoe Chase. Yes. Right? Uh, she used to be on Planet Money, and I think she's doing a, This American Life. That's exactly she's a, what I was thinking of. Right. She has, her voice is kind of like, like you know, her inflection is a little... Uh, Gravelly. Ooh. I'm just going to play yeah. a little clip of the right. writing that she writes for herself to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is as much as you'll get Jeff Flake to admit he's excited about something. He is an understated guy. I can tell he is pleased. Uh, Flake's essential for Republicans to get to 50 votes for all the things they need 60 votes for in the Senate. He has new leverage there as well. So here's my argument. Uh, Lisa Arthur could be fine as the host of this podcast, but she makes no connection to the material and the writing for her, like to say that she's actually saying it's not what should be coming out of her mouth. Yeah, I don't want to beat up on her too much, but I mean, I think there are other sort of deficiencies in the podcast that have to do with things like writing, with things like editing and the way the music is mixed. Uh, There was the whole third episode, and I know Toby wants to talk about this. It was an awful lot of uh, archival tape from from police interviews and whatnot. And my thing I'm going to say is. Uh, I thought some of those things went on too long mm. without any contact. Sort of the phone tape and, with the right, family members. Right. And Toby, uh, you said you had problems understanding the tape because it, it was mixed low and it was hard to under, it was hard to hear. Yeah, I just thought you really had to get to focus really carefully in a way that like I'm not normally in a position to do while I'm listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it, it, they just kind of went on for a while. It, it didn't work for me. Yeah. And I, I, I can see... Where a journalist would be like, trust your material, trust that it's interesting, and don't get in the way of it. Yeah. But in this case, maybe getting in the way a little bit would have been helpful. Yeah. Because it just kind of seemed to go on and on, and it wasn't a super easy listen, I guess. I mean, I think for me, it was just um, listening to it. Very hard to to kind of follow what was going on. I mean, Rebecca, you pretty much have touched on everything. I was like, who is this person? Why are they telling this story? What's their connection to the case? What's going on here? I don't know. I, I It just was – it was a hard listen, as Toby said, in terms of following the story. And I felt like – like I said, it was like it was like a newspaper story that was being read out loud. But not even. It sounded like, like a high school newspaper story the mm. way – I mean, it was just very basic in terms of like the delivery style was so um, – 
flat. But you're but you're a fan of newspapers trying this medium, right, Laura? Yeah, and so that that's my thing. It's like I think you know it's great to see all these newspapers that are are trying to explore kind of this new storytelling medium. But I think the part that is sometimes getting lost is that the transition from newspaper reporting and other types of storytelling that you've been doing is a different type of storytelling than what is needed to make a podcast compelling so that people are listening and not tuning out as they're driving down the street like I was because I was like listening to like 10 minutes of some recorded interview with no breaks that just didn't make for good audio. You know, I think it's a good idea. And I think it's great because I do think that this is where newspapers are going to have to go to, you know, continue to evolve as we see you know, newspapers being downsized and staff cuts and people changing how they're reading newspapers and digesting news. So I think that we're going to have to get there. But I think it takes a different focus than what we saw here. You know, guys, I think what is missing from this podcast is a rhythm. Mm. And I think that's just sort of, uh, that's the only way I can kind of describe it. There's all these sort of pieces, but they're not coming together the right way. And I think that almost none of them are very sharp, you know, whether it's the music or whether it's the delivery of the host. And we got the spine of the story, but I don't know if like of all, you know, all the interesting things are being highlighted and, you know, the audio that they do bring, whether it's being used the right way or if it's just a big yep. clip that's dropped in. So it's just, it's like not the interviews clicking. with the victim's sister. Mm-hmm. You have three victims, mm-hmm. right? There's the guy, the, the Casey, Casey's Nickelodeon, who right. was killed. Uh, and then you have these two women who came to the club who were also killed. The whole murder was caught on video. And the conceit of this case, which is interesting, is this is a murder that was caught on video. And yet there's been no conviction in like two decades. Mm-hmm. Really interesting concept. The central question is never really presented. Like, how is it possible there's been no conviction in this case in two decades when the murder is caught on video? All right. I just wrote a line for them that should have been in the podcast. (laughs) But there's something about this that's bothersome to me. And I don't want to, like, draw too deep a conclusion here. But this is a trend that I'm seeing a little bit in true crime podcasting, and it's um, come up in some podcasts that we've chosen not to talk about on this show, like deliberately chosen to. Mm-hmm. So we have here a newspaper that has obviously seen an opportunity here to generate revenue with podcasting. Nothing wrong with that. Like, I am 100% about that. I work at a public radio station. It would be like wrong of me to say, like, that's not a good idea. It's a good idea. They have partnered with a podcasting brand, a company that helps produce podcasts and monetizes them. And it's almost like they have turned an article into a podcast without asking the question, what can a podcast do that an article can't? Why? Why should this be a podcast? What only can audio do that print can't do? Mm -hmm. Nobody asked that question. And I think about The first season of Accused is a great example because Amber Hunt's story about that long unsolved murder, the one thing you can't bring to a print article is her chasing a prosecutor down a hallway and him telling her on tape, like, I'm not going to say no comment. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to write that. It's another thing to hear it. Right. Right. Uh, It's one thing to write, even in Dirty John, which I think we had some problems with because like... 
what exactly was going on. It's just a story. But in Dirty John, there was the in-person interviews with Deborah and with her daughters and sort of like the extra bits of sound here and there. I, I am not a hundred on like that being a great podcast, but like there's something that the audio could do that the print couldn't. In this, like it feels a little bit like, and Kevin, I'm going to use a, an example you bring up sometimes, the James Patterson like book factory. Oh yeah, <laughs> like there's You're a right there's a formula. Yes, James Patterson with the guy who actually wrote it. Yes, yeah. yes, like there's yes. we have archives, there's classes they yes. send people to. Yes, to write. Yes, yes, to write his books. Yes. We have archives of crime stories. We need to turn those archives into podcasts because that will monetize. Let's find a company to partner with to make that happen. That it feels like this podcast feels like a product to me. It doesn't feel like a story. It doesn't feel like an investigation. It doesn't feel like journalism. It feels like a product in a way that bothers me. So it's soulless. It bothers me. See, I'm okay. You know, I like the idea of podcasts that are storytelling. I think we have seen too many of the podcasts that their goal is to solve the crime. Right. Because because they almost never do. And it becomes a disappointment. And so, like you said, it asks a different question and we're, we're brought along on something. I'm, I'm also really OK with the idea of of a podcast that just tells a story. Puts it together so, in a new way. So long as the story is entertaining. Yeah. I mean, like Disgraceland. I mean, you're not breaking any news with any of those tales. But the way that they're put together is interesting to listen to. Right. Jordy John was kind of like that. I mean, he did have sort of the surprise ending you know, at the end, that noir feeling. Yeah, um, uh, it's kind of like just the podcast like, yeah. you've been working on. You are working on a podcast, right? In the and then the side, like it's not coming mm-hmm. out for a long time. Yeah. You're gathering tape. Anybody could Google the stories that are in the podcast you're working on and put you. The, nobody will do that. You're just putting it in a new package, mm-hmm. and you're going to bring people into it and voices into it that are just like a new way of telling that story. If the story's good, you, you shouldn't want to just Google and find out how it ends. You should right. want to go along for the ride. And in this case, I don't really know. It's an interesting crime, but I don't really know. Like if I if I want to go on this ride it just doesn't seem exciting to me i and i think the reason they're doing it now because i i was like googling this like what what is going on like what's there's a new court case related to this case coming up like very soon but we are three episodes in and that has not been mentioned yeah so yeah i I mean i looked at the wikipedia page for uh, pablo ibar and and it looks like there's something new that's happening in the case so i would say timing wise they're trying to drum up some interest in this case by doing this podcast, but that's just not clear to me from listening to the podcast. Right. Not like, you know, last week we talked about Empire on Blood, right? Mm-hmm. Similar thing. Like you could say every development in the Calvin Wari case, like you could have just looked that up in New York newspapers. Uh, but Steve Fishman, you know, for all the flaws we talked about, also brought something to that story that felt fresh. He was invested in the story. He'd been working on it for a long time. We knew it was in the news. He made that clear from the beginning. There was a drive behind it that didn't just feel like we just need to partner with this company and make something that's a podcast and we don't know how to do it. So it's going to have the same background music as 17 other podcasts that I've listened to and the same. It feels, I don't know. So there's going to be a new story and a new host in this first season. Yeah. You don't have much hope that it's going to be any better. It's a barrier. We talked about this last week. There are barriers to listening. Yeah. 
Well, Kevin, should we just, I mean. I think we all know where we are on have this. Have we, we spoiled well, this yeah. at all? Like, do we even need to put the timestamp in? <laughs> do we even talk about the story at all? Uh, uh, let's go ahead and review Felonious Florida. Uh, Laura Bricker, thumbs up or thumbs down? Are you going to keep listening? Should our listeners listen? What do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm going thumbs down. It, it's an interesting story. I think there's interesting things to learn about this case. I think you could learn them by just reading the news stories um, online if you were curious about it. So I, I just think it needs too much work with the way that the story is being told for me to actually feel invested in continuing to listen. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Felonious Florida? Do you recommend it? Yes or no? You know, it's not like it's objectionable as some of the stuff that we give thumbs down to, uh, although I do have to give it a thumbs down. But you know, I think if they, I mean, it's done. I mean, they've heard the whole thing. But I, I think if they listen to it, kind of reflect on it, and decide they want to do another one, I'd be willing to give that a listen. If there's just some lessons that they, they take out of this about how to construct it so that it's a good podcast, I, I think they, they might be able to do a good job. So I don't I don't want to be like completely disparaging to them because I think there's – there's possibilities there for the future, but on this particular one, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to any more of it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go ahead and give it a straight up thumbs down, and I'm going to say I don't blame the reporters or the newspaper or the people who went into this thinking like, oh, this would be a cool project for us to do. It's a really good idea. I am certain this newspaper has lots of amazing archival stories to mine that would be great audio material. It is what was done with this material. Whoever made the decisions to make it sound like the McDonald's of true crime podcasts. (laughs) I am blaming them for this strenuous thumbs down. Something I wasn't ever going to mention on this podcast. I'm just going to mention it very briefly now. Back in February, there was some social media stuff because I found out that a podcast that was a relatively popular true crime podcast was literally just reading newspaper articles written by other people on that show. Word for word. Straight up plagiarism. And it's a soulless, sad trend because there is such a huge hungry market for true crime podcasts the audience wants more and more and more and more and i don't blame the audience i want more and more and more and more so there's this vacuous hole as a result of this hole this business model has sprung up where production companies are jumping in and they are saying to content producers hey you've got a great story let's make a hit true crime podcast we'll sell some ads we'll help you produce it we'll get it on the air That's what this sounds like to me. It doesn't sound like plagiarism. It sounds like soulless product of market desires. And it's sad to me because it's an interesting story. And it sounds like there are talented reporters behind it. And I don't think it's Lisa Arthur's fault or her editor's fault or her newspaper's fault. There's something wrong in the recipe. And it's making me soul crushingly disappointed. And I am giving this a big fat thumbs down, not just for the content, but for the principle of the matter. And that's much farther than I'm usually willing to go. Right, Kevin? Yeah, I'm sorry. You sounded like you were going to be thumb sideways. Nope. I am. If there were a thumb sideways, I would say <laughs> for the straight kidding. up content. No, you sounded like you were thumbs down from listen, the beginning. If you've never listened to a true crime podcast before, yeah. this is a thumb sideways. If you're me and you care about true crime podcasting, 
This is a straight up true crime and just podcasting huge thumbs down. What about you? I am thumbs down, um, you know, for just about all the same reasons. You know, I'm kind of I, I support newspapers trying to branch out and do other things because they have the resources and, you know, um, they certainly need other ways to monetize and, and show the importance of journalism. I just don't think this was put together very well. So instead, I'd rather talk about underwear. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh no! So, I actually can't <laughs> wait to talk about underwear. If it's the underwear that I think it is. Yeah, Tommy John reached out to us. You know, they make these fat, these fabulous uh, undergarments for men. And Toby and I gave our measurements. We thought we were going to get packages, mm. and no, uh, it's actually women's underwear that they finally come out with. And Laura and Rebecca got got that. And Toby and I, we got nothing. <laughs> Silch. Hey, Silch. You they, guys got jeans. That's true. All right. Well, we have—they have come out with their long-anticipated women's line, and uh, I hear that they're pretty good. You've no idea. You've no idea how much more underwear I have ordered this week from Tommy John. Rebecca did something she's never done before, which is to, before the ad even goes on the air, she pre-ordered more <laughs> of the product. <laughs> Uh, I checked to make sure our like podcast code was working. Yeah, by ordering a whole bunch of the product. So Tommy John should just basically send everybody one pair in the and world, then, and and all of a sudden they'll be buying twenty. Every woman in the world should get this underwear, and I think Laura, judging from the Facebook yes. Live we did last week where she hinted at this, <laughs> would one hundred percent agree with me. All right, well, let's find out why now. Tommy John has completely reimagined women's underwear yep. with the same patented designs and fabric technology that has made them famous. So it means no rolling, no bunching, no pilling, and no wedgies or visible panty lines. <laughs> Plus, it's all backed by the best pair she'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. Laura, you disturbed us all when you said that you loved it so much, you started showing people your underwear. Can you please provide some context to that, that statement? I did. I'm sorry. I Yes. Um, so I got my new underwear. I was like, ooh, it's so soft and silky. So in the middle of the day... Um, because I work at home, I went and changed my underwear, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And I was out at this like school open house, and I oh my was God, walking school? out. And I, <laughs> I know it gets even worse. And I was walking with some friends out, and I was like, "You guys, I got this new underwear. It's so awesome!" And then I, I was like, "You gotta feel it. It's so nice." So, um, yes, yeah, so I harassed my poor friends, but they know me, so they just kind of rolled with it, and they're like, "It is really nice. Ooh, it's so soft." It's so comfortable. It's like you're not wearing underwear at all. It's so comfortable. Ladies, stop picking at your ill-fitting underwear. Stop it. No picking. Don't pick. Don't do the pick. Instead, pick the most comfortable pair on the planet. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash crime Crime. for 20% off your first order. Do it. That's TommyJohn.com slash crime for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash crime. Kevin, before we move on, can we just say... Do I ever talk about how wonderful my underwear is in the history of our time together? Never. How many times in the last few days have I talked about how wonderful this underwear is? A disturbing amount. It's unbelievable. It's like a cloud. It is underwear. It feels like a cloud. What else you got, Kevin? Well, when things get crazy, Rebecca, you know me, I wind up eating junk food. Oh, yeah. And I feel gross. (laughs) Yeah? Which is why I've resolved to eat more 
Daily Harvest. Oh, yeah. Daily Harvest. Oh, yeah. Daily they harvest. deliver perfectly portioned cups of frozen they organic do. fruits and vegetables right to our door. Yes. They're just, boom, they're right there. And so I don't even have to think about making those healthy choices. I just take one of them out of the freezer, and they're ready in like one or two steps. All you have to do is add water or your favorite milk to the cup. And Coconut you just milk. blend it. Or almond you milk. It. Yeah. They're- soy milk. <laughs> Your favorite milk. Favorite milk. Skim milk. Well, then you'll have an amazing meal or snack filled with delicious whole ingredients in just 30 seconds. Okay, Rebecca, uh, talk about now your favorite snack here. Daily this Harvest. might be my favorite ad break of all time because like the products that like <laughs> I'm straight up obsessed with, you know that I love. Everyone knows. I think I've talked about it on this show a million times. My favorite Daily Harvest is the, I don't even know how to pronounce it, like the cacao like avocado avocado one which basically is just like a giant thick delicious chocolate shake but it's like the healthiest breakfast you've ever had oh it's incredible all right people imagine rebecca eating her daily harvest it's the best day of my damn life laura i also know you're a big fan i am a big fan and i was just thinking i also got some like overnight oats from daily harvest and um i have some of those i'm gonna go i should make them up because i complaining about your breakfast you should I have been complaining about my breakfast, and I think I should do that because it's easy and it's healthy. And then they always throw in, like, some ingredient into it. So you see, like, a normal list of ingredients because all the ingredients are printed on the cup when it comes. And then there'll be something, like, totally healthy, and you're like, I feel so healthy eating this. Like, something I've never heard of. And then I go look it up, and I'm like, this is super good for me. That's right. So go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code CRIME, CRIME. and you'll get three free items in your first box. That's promo code CRIME and three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. I need 37 free items. Can you arrange that for me? I love Daily Harvest that much. I'm working on it. Now it's time to move on to my favorite part of this podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the the week. Now we know why they call it Blow. A Florida woman told police the cocaine they found on her likely was just blown into her purse by the wind. (laughs) Authorities say Kinesia Posey was a passenger in a car the cops pulled over. When they uncovered the drugs, she said the car window was open and the coke probably just came in through the window and landed in her bag. They didn't believe her, though, and she has been charged with felony possession. So here's my question for you, fellow crime writers on... That is a pretty lame excuse. So what is the lamest excuse you ever gave for getting in trouble? Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. Okay. This is big confession time, people. So right after college, I moved into an apartment with one of my good friends from college, and it was a no-pet apartment. Mm. And we had this old, like, million-year-old landlord, purple hair man that we called Purple Hair. Um, and we're like, he lived, like, far away. So I was like, he's never going to know if I bring my cat, Nookie, with me to this apartment. <laughs> Nookie. Poor Nookie. Cat lady well, from the beginning. It was true. So guess what? One day when we were not there, he violated those rules that say they have to give 24 hours notice and went in our apartment to fix something. And he sent us a very nasty gram about, I observed some cat litter with fresh cat poop and um, blah, blah, blah. So here was my really lame excuse. I don't know where I came up with this. I was like, oh, it's not my cat. It's my friend's cat. (laughs) And she had to have a hysterectomy. Oh, my and God. So I was well, cat sitting for her. And then, had the hysterectomy of the cat. 
the, my friend, so I was in the newsroom. Oh. I was just like a brand new reporter and I was in the newsroom and they love to tell this story because I was like, how do you spell hysterectomy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're like 23 and your friends are all having hysterectomies. Toby Ball, what about you? What is the lame excuse you have ever given for getting in trouble? Can I just tell a story that was kind of similar to what Laura's story yes, was? Absolutely. That- <laughs> Go ahead. So uh, we asked, we actually had the same situation when I was living in D.C. is that I had a, a little black cat that was in this apartment that wasn't supposed to have a cat. And uh, I went on vacation somewhere. And when I came back, we had a flea infestation oh. that was so freaking bad oh. that it was like you'd wear socks pulled up to your knees and you'd like walk <laughs> from the couch to the fridge to get a beer. Yeah. And there would be like 80 fleas on your socks. Oh. It was just ridiculous. So we we like flea bombed once and got the cat dipped. Uh, it did not take. So the next time we did it, I got eight times the recommended amount of flea bomb. And the way the the apartment was set up was that there was this kind of like weird winding hall. Like it wasn't a big apartment, but there's still this winding hallway. So I'd set up all these flea bombs. I I came home during lunch and then my roommate, now my brother-in-law and I set it up another flea bomb and we had it strapped into a uh, a shoebox. Your roommate slash brother-in-law, that's a topic for future podcasts. I just want to put a pin (laughs) in it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that'll take a full podcast. But we like put this a flea bomb in a uh, shoebox, and then we attach it to a fishing line, and <laughs> we put fuck? these pillows so that you could pull it down through these like little twists and turns in this hallway. <laughs> so my 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 roommate was like by this window by his bedroom with a with a fishing pole, <laughs> and I like went running through the apartment and like set off all the flea bombs, and then the last one I I set off was the one that was in the shoebox. So I go running down the hallway, go back outside. And so he's starting to reel the shoebox. And uh, I'm running from like window to window to follow it, to tell him to like, you know, got to go slower because you're getting to a corner or like speed up because you can get caught. (laughs) And uh, some woman just like stops on the sidewalk. (laughs) He's watching us do this. And her question was, do you guys live there? <laughs> uh, I was like, I, what, what do you think we're doing? <laughs> like, I, so anyway, that's why, my story. Why would we be doing this thieves. if we didn't? Yeah. And that was the oh lamest excuse you ever gave for getting in trouble. Um, Kevin, you know what mine was? No, what? My podcast sponsor sent me this underwear, and that's why I have to show it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what is the lamest excuse you've ever given for getting in trouble? Uh, Rebecca said this underwear was really comfortable, and that's why I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All good. right. Well, Laura Brigger, before we wrap up this show, uh, do we have a cat of the week this week? <laughs> Um, we have a tie because I got so many cats. You guys can hold off for another week because I've got so many cats. I, and they're all awesome. Um, but Spice has had a rough life. Uh, she lived her first eight years with this woman, Nicole Corbett's uncle, uh, her best friend's uncle, who passed away three and a half years ago. But he wasn't discovered for a couple of weeks. So the poor kitty oh. had to live with her dead owner and her best friend rescued spice oh that's the cat of the century not the cat of the but spice she wasn't able to keep her spice was so special to her uncle who died she didn't want to take spice to like the shelter so she gave her to her friend nicole more her son nicole's son who was three at the time 
And now Spice lives her days as the apple of Nicole's children's eyes. They love her almost too much. However, her sweet disposition allows it. She's never hissed or scratched my son or daughter, and they practically smother her on a daily basis. See photos. So I have all sorts of lovely photos of Spice. Um, Spice is tied with Meeps who is on our podcast discussion group. Meeps. Um, her name is Maisie Barbara Marmalade, but mm-hmm. she goes by Meeps. Yep. She Sounds was adopted logical. off the internet. She is a teen mom from Kentucky <laughs> with no tail, no front teeth, and a tattoo. The cat has a tattoo? Teen mom from Kentucky. She has lived with them since December and is an adorable little monster. She is adjusting well to city life. And if you're interested in more pictures of Meeps, you can go to Instagram, hashtag MeepsTheCat. Disclaimer, she was born without a tail and her tattoo is a mark to indicate she was spayed. Fun fact, her favorite food is meow mix and cardboard boxes. All I have to say is this. When you said there was a tie and the first cat lived with a corpse for two weeks, I'm like, what other cat could tie with that cat? I think the teen mom cat uh, did it. All right, so Laura Bricker, if people want to pitch to you, their animals, uh, cats, dogs, lizards, or otherwise, for our yep. future cat of the week. How can they reach you online? At Laura Bricker. And uh, Toby Ball, people want to tweet to you about whether or not you actually lived in that apartment or you were just a character on the Americans trying to <laughs> uh, spy on some FBI agents. How can they find you on Twitter? At Toby Ball and H. And Kevin Flynn. How can people tweet to you? I'm at hysterectomy.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, cathysterectomy.com. And you are also at... <laughs> at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can tweet to this show at Crime Writers On and join the fine folks in the official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. I recommend it highly. Or just leave a comment on our regular old Facebook page if you are a Zuckerberg loser and don't want to be part of the inside circle. No, just kidding. The regular page is fine, but the group is great. You can support us at Patreon.com and hear Toby's exclusive book club podcast or join Stitcher Premium for exclusive ad-free content and our other podcast, Married with... Podcast. Podcast. Our theme song was performed by Rocksteady Freddy and the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble. And this show is recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, formerly known as Studio C, the place I keep all of the factory-made podcasts that I never want to listen to ever again. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. All right, we're 10 minutes into this. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah. I'm sorry, there's Let's something the in same. my wine. It's floating. All right. God damn it. You got a floater? Let's hold on. Let's pause the taping. <laughs> Deadline schmedline. Laura's you, got a floater in her wine. You, don't okay. you drink it with a straw? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carry on, Rebecca. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, we're good. We're good. Do you have like a fish net you can use to like like fish that out? Do you have some sort of like Wait. Fireman Ken grappling tool Wait. you can use? So Kevin, go with me on this. Waiter, there's a fly in my wine. Oh, don't worry. He won't drink much. (laughs) What's this fly doing in my wine? Looks like the backstroke. (laughs) Partners in Crime Media. Meet Namely, the all-in-one HR payroll and benefit software employees love to use. Clock in, schedule vacation, and more from your desk or on the go. Plus, use the social feed to share company news and give shout-outs for a job well done. 
Over 1,000 companies use Namely every day. Get a free demo by visiting Namely.com slash crime. Crime. That's Namely.com slash crime. Build a better workplace with Namely. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.